Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 82. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. I am so excited for today's guest because he is one of the newer success stories. You know, some of my friends have been hanging around this industry for 5, 10, 20, 30 years being real estate investors and flippers, but this young man is kind of new to the game in the grand scheme of things. So I'm really excited to introduce to you Mr. Stephen Pesavento. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, thanks for having me, Holly. Well, thanks so much for sharing some of your very valuable time and being willing to share your real life story. And audience, I just got to tell you, I was so impressed with Stephen when I first met him because he wasn't one of these guys that's like, I'm kind of hanging around clubs and taking some classes and trying to figure out what's going on. Like he just dove in full force. And I want him to tell you his story because he is a total go-getter. So Stephen, why don't you start by telling us your story and how you got into real estate investing? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good questions. Definitely a good one. Um, I don't know how far back to go, but I guess I can just say, you know, I, I started out in management consulting, uh, worked in that field for a little bit and definitely kind of had a feeling that the corporate grind wasn't the right fit for me was making great money, but just wasn't kind of feeling that fulfillment. Ended up uh, moving around, worked for some different tech companies, started some some different projects on my own. Um, and then, you know, about a year and a half ago, a little bit, a little bit over a year and a half ago, I kind of realized uh, that there was one topic that kept coming up and it was real estate. It was the, the one topic I kept coming up that I, I said to myself, you know, I can't do this now or I need to be older. I need to have more money. And there's all these things, these limiting beliefs that were there that were kind of holding me back. And so I just decided to push my chips in and I was doing some consulting at the time, running some web development, digital marketing stuff. And I just decided to fire all my clients and just only focus on getting into this space. And that's actually where, uh, where we met Holly. Yep. So give us a little enlightenment on that. Like, did you have a bunch of savings that you said, I'm going to use this to, to start off or, you know, some people start this with nothing. Some start with something. Where were you at? Yeah, I wish, I wish that I would have had some savings. I think that would have made this whole thing a lot easier. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the path that I went by burning the boats and jumping off and figuring out how to fly on the way down. But for me, that was the kind of the right way to do it. I didn't have a lot of savings, few thousand dollars other than, you know, some IRA money. Um, just enough to keep myself afloat while I figured out, hey, what's the next step? So I had no choice but to survive because once I decided I was going to do it, I just, you know, I had to. Well, if I can interject, one thing I think is helpful in your case, well, I mean, it's awesome how you're just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to succeed no matter what, but you don't, you didn't, I'm assuming you still don't have a family. You don't have a wife and kids to support. It's just you. So like what a yeah. great time to take a risk when it's Absolutely. just you, you only have to worry about maybe a couch to sleep on and a roof over one person's head instead of multiple, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I have to say self-limiting belief right there. People look at it every day. Having a family is actually an opportunity to be motivated to do these things and step out and take some risks because as a single person, you also don't have a support system. You don't mm. also don't have somebody who's there who's going to be putting food on the table if you don't figure it out on your own. So definitely had a really great opportunity being a young guy, single guy. Um, being able to figure that out, but you know, anybody can do it. You just have to have enough 
of a drive to, to figure it out. So, um, yeah, anyways, so I, uh, I ended up going to some clubs and, uh, I met a local real estate investor in, in Southern California and ended up doing a trade, um, with her in order to do some mentorship and, you know, built a, built a website for her. Definitely learned a ton, started putting in a lot of offers on the MLS in just, uh, in just two months had put over 80 offers in. Um, and what was crazy about that was I learned so much about how to comp properties about where my numbers were right and where my numbers were wrong and how to call real estate agents to get offers put in and talk to them and build rapport and relationship. And that, you know, definitely can work for some people. But what I realized was, you know, finding the deal is the most important piece. And, uh, the MLS in Southern California, where I was living was just, it was a pretty tough not to crack. So I started focusing on marketing. Wait, wait, wait. If I can interrupt you, how many deals did you get from those 80 offers? I got zero deals, but I got two contracts signed that were, uh, they accepted my offer, but I later learned, you know, the valuable lesson. I probably got the offer accepted because my offer was too high. So Mm. I went through some of the the process of getting out there, seeing the property in person, going through with a contractor and sharing that deal with some other people in my network, mentors, you, um, some other people. And, you know, folks looked at the deal and they said, Hey, you know, I see where you're coming from, but it seems like these numbers maybe are a little too tight. And, uh, you know, ended up giving those ones back, ended up not closing on either of those properties. So at this point, I've still done zero real estate transactions, never owned a house. Um, you know, at that point, of my development. Well, that's fantastic that you got into action and made 80 offers because a lot of people will just not even try or they'll make 10 offers and go, I made 10 whole offers and I don't have any deals. And you would be like, so what? Why don't you really get to work now? <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. Well, it, it goes back to that. Just having no, no choice. It's like, well, I got to figure this out. I'm not going to figure it out if I'm not putting in offers or trying or or doing things, um, which was so frustrating to be at the clubs and you meet folks who are lifetime club attendees, but had never really done anything. But the great thing about going to these events is that there are people who are really doing it. And if you just search through, you can start picking out those individuals. And that's kind of, it goes into that surround yourself with the right people, you know, and you learn a lot from, from those folks. That's true. That's true. So what was your next step after you didn't get deals with 80 offers? You said you started some direct mail. Is that right? Yeah. So I had met with some other local investors, wholesalers, people who were, you know, doing a couple deals a year and had learned kind of, Hey, how are they getting these deals? I, I read about on bigger pockets and I listened to all the podcasts and everything I could get my hands on, you know, reading tons and tons of real estate books and just, personal development books and everything kept coming back to, you know, do some direct mail, but I didn't have a lot of money to spend. Um, so the first thing I did, I sent 1500 postcards to a list that I bought that was in, uh, you know, in a couple specific zip codes in LA and orange County and didn't get very much response off that. So I sent another batch of 3000 letters to the same list, but a little bit bigger. And I ended up getting 11 phone calls, 11 phone calls off of 3000 letters. And I'd spent, you know, half of the money that I had in my bank account to do it. And it was just, you know, it was one of those moments where you really 
you're, it's really frustrating and it's really hard and you're asking yourself like, well, how am I ever going to make this work? And I realized after talking with some other very experienced investors who are part of the, the seven figure in the Justin Williams program, um, people who are sending a lot of mail, talking with Andy McFarlane, and he was able to share like, well, this is kind of the expected rate of return in some areas. And in Southern California, you're expecting like a 0.25% response rate. That mean I just to have a chance of getting a deal, I would have needed to spend or send at least double the amount of mail every month. And I shouldn't expect to get a deal for, you know, three to six months just to right, be conservative. They've got to keep seeing you over and over because that's how humans are. They got to get hit with that marketing message and that branding five, seven, 10, 15 times. Like, well, maybe I should call Steve and I still have that crabby house and he keeps showing up in my mail. So I guess I'll call him. Maybe he can buy grandma's house, but it takes a lot of times. It's not usually the first time, which means you've got to have a ton of staying power, a ton of cash to be able to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. So what was it? And then I know you didn't stick with that because I know you're not mailing. So what was your next step? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm definitely not mailing in Southern California, but I'm, right. still, I'm still mailing. But I, I made the decision to, to find the right people to surround myself with. So you know, use that handy dandy credit card to, to buy a ticket to Flip Hacking Live, um, which is an event uh, in Southern California and San Diego every year. It was the first event. Another friend uh, in SoCal had told me about it and it was happening in a few weeks. And God, I had missed the uh, early bird special. So I spent a thousand bucks to go to the event. <laughs> and it was the best money I ever spent. I met so many people that are now friends, family, uh, and business partners and came back with like a pretty specific plan. One, stop mailing in California. One, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have enough money to break into that market and I wanted to grow a scalable business. And two, I found some other markets that seemed to make sense um, and ended up partnering with some really great people who live in those markets and was able to, you know, kind of build a marketing machine uh, there remotely while I live in Southern California. Fantastic. So what market did you go to? Yeah. So the first place I went, came back from that event, uh, ended up going to Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and interestingly enough, at another real estate event in, uh, in SoCal, one of the Phoebe events, I had met Mike Foley. He was a local builder and developer and flipper. And he'd been, you know, in Southern California for, for many years and building and flipping and in real estate for you know, 15, 20 years. And he had a lot of experience, but what he was really frustrated about was finding deals and he didn't have the experience or background in marketing. And that wasn't his favorite part of the game. And so ended up finding a really good opportunity to partner. And when he moved out to North Carolina, um, which was one of the markets that was on my top five lists to market into anyways, it, you know, it ended up working really well. And so we started slowly, you know, mailing 5,000 mailers a month and then 8,000 um, a few months after that and slowly kind of broke into that market until we had built up enough um, deal flow to, to have marketing kind of pay for itself. Oh, that's awesome. So it does pay for itself. And when you partnered up with him, I'm assuming you still didn't have a bunch of cash. So you found a partner with cash and different skill set than you obviously too, right? Yeah. I mean, so I'm a big believer that you got to just push forward and not let things like not having enough capital hold you back. We still put in 50, 50 of the money. Luckily, you know, I wouldn't recommend this again, but you know, 
you can get 18 months, 0% on a, on a card. And if you're really committed to what you're doing, it's capping the downside. The worst thing that I could do is maybe lose 10, 20, $30,000. But the upside is maybe I can make millions. And how long would it take me to get back to that old job of, you know, making a, a corporate six figure income? I, I could go and get a job again if I had to. So, you know, I, you know, floated everything the way, uh, the way that worked for me. And, you know, we both put in, put in half the money and, you know, do half, half the work. Great idea. Yeah. Credit cards are an opportunity for financing. That's, that's clever. Well, tell us about your first deal. Yeah. So my first deal was a real headache. The first deal that actually closed was probably one of my most frustrating deals though. I would say in this business, there's a lot of those. It's just, you know, it's a challenge. There's a reason why we're able to buy a property at a discount that makes sense for us to do an investment with. And that's because sometimes there's a little more hair on these deals. So that first deal was in Durham, North Carolina. Got this property under contract um, from making phone calls, cold calling. And uh, I had actually been marketing to the same person. So I had called her because she had, she had put her information into something from Craigslist or something like that. And I called her and got on the phone and she had actually received a postcard from us too. So we had acquisition manager, uh, which is a key part of our business model is hiring people to do, you know, the different roles uh, Mm -hmm. because I was in Southern California. Right. So I'm taking the phone calls, I'm talking and I, I set an appointment, we get this property under contract. Well, we started November, I would say probably one of the roughest, toughest times to start is in the holiday season. So we got under contract and trying to wholesale it to a list of, you know, very small lists in an area that I don't know, in a neighborhood that was actually pretty rough and tumble. And, you know, it took months and months. And at the end of it, I found a hedge fund buyer who was able to pick it up. And I made a whopping $5,400. That's not bad, though, for a first deal. Some people lose money. I've had guests on the podcast that lose money on their first deal. So you came out ahead and you learned a lot, right? Definitely. (laughs) It's like hitting your head against a brick wall enough times. But eventually you break through. And, and, uh, you know, that started the momentum. In that time, we had got some other properties in our contract. And, uh, you know, things started moving for us. That's awesome. So tell us more about the journey and as it picked up and are you wholesaling or flipping or both? Tell us about that. What does it look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are wholesaling and flipping um, and we do a little bit of new development, new construction as well. So I'm actually in two markets with two separate partners Hmm. um, under the same label of Von Finch Homes. Um, and essentially the way that works is in North Carolina, because of Mike's background and experience and knowledge and flipping a new construction, we try to take down as many deals as we can through that method because you're able to make a lot more money, but there's a little bit more risk. And so in North Carolina, we're probably about 70, 80% flips and about 20% wholesales. And in Minnesota, we're probably about 80% wholesale, about 20% flip. We're trying to drive up that flipping number just because we have the pipeline of opportunities. And if we're able to pick off a couple and do some minor fixes up and list them, we can actually make a lot more money. Nice, nice. And is it all direct mail? I mean, you mentioned before it was cold calling too. So what are your acquisition strategies now? Our main strategies, uh, you know, the typical, what you'd expect, pretty much go on bigger pockets, read about marketing for real estate, and we're probably doing a majority of those things. Mail is a big driver for us. Um, 
pay-per-click is becoming pretty popular in our space, you know, Facebook, um, kind of the whole gamut. Uh, just any way that we can touch and talk to a seller that might be interested and have them kind of reach back out to us and say, hey, yeah, you know, let's talk. Okay. Um, tell us about your best deal. Uh, my best deal. Uh, let me tell you about my best wholesale deal. One of my best wholesale deals. Okay. It's an interesting situation. And I would say this is a reminder, anybody who's getting started or has been doing this for a long time. One of our rules is, you know, we send out every deal to our list. So we've, mm-hmm. we've, we've grown a really big list of investors. We want to give them an opportunity to buy it um, so that they can do the investment that they want to do. So we end up sending out, um, you know, this great little duplex is in not the nicest part of town, but an area that is changing. That there is some new construction going on in that area. Something that we would typically be interested in, but it was a street with a lot of multifamily and we just weren't sure. We thought maybe this was going to be maybe a no deal or maybe like a five or $10,000 wholesale deal. So quickly we sent it out. We had, you know, tons and tons of people reach out to us and we ended up getting an offer um, where we walked away with about 41,000 on a wholesale deal and it was sight unseen. They didn't even see the property. uh, Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So do you send it out to your list and say, Hey, send us your best offer or do you price it out and then people bid it up? Or how did you go from an expectation of zero to 5,000 to 41,000? How did that work? So we always send out our deals with our price in mind or best offer. And we usually like to price things competitively so that we can try to get as many people interested because I think a lot of wholesalers, they'll overprice their deals and people are afraid to put best offers in. For some reason, it might be a Southern or a Midwest thing. People aren't as comfortable lowballing. So we usually start lower and people end up bidding them up. And so we had a lot of people interested in this one. And it just goes to show that um, there's a lot of different investment strategies. And this person actually was going to put three houses on the lot. So they wow. looked out and they thought, hey, well, I'm going to do something completely different than anyone else that's probably making an offer. And you know, they were able to win out. And it was a win-win deal for us and a win-win deal for them. That reminds me of one we did in LA in Studio City where we just tore down the house and the wholesaling company was one of the companies. I don't think they'd considered that. So we saw a higher value. Mm-hmm. Ended up not going so great. Maybe I'll break even on it at the end of the day because the city of LA is no fun to get permits through and work for, you know, mm-hmm. with. But yeah, it's really interesting. Sometimes people have other opportunities with a property or with land than you might think. And I got to say, I think that is so smart, your strategy, because what I see here for the flips that hit my email every day, your wholesale deals, they're not deals. I like quit opening them because the wholesalers lost all of my trust. Like they always overprice them. They say the ARV is higher than it is. The repairs are going to be higher than they, you know, they understate their repairs, overstate the ARV. And guess what? I'm gone. It was like the boy who cried wolf. I don't even look at him. And then you'll see the same deal come three, five, seven days later, price reduction, price reduction, like all over the place. Cause they asked too much. They got too greedy and they lost their buyer pool. So recommendation to you wholesalers out there. <laughs> don't scare away. Like Steven's strategy sounds awesome. I mean, it can be like, Oh, I would, might be afraid like, Oh, he's got such a big list be harder to compete with. 
but I know that his numbers aren't going to be like ridiculous. So, and sometimes to be honest, I still get feedback from people that say, Hey, your prices are way too high. I don't know how this is a deal. And at the same exact time, somebody is offering 20, 30,000 above what they offer. And so what I always say back to is, Hey, I appreciate the feedback. Um, you know, why don't you let us know what, what's a deal for you? But there's many different flavors of real estate investing and a landlord's probably gonna be able to pay more than a flipper and a developer may or may not be able to pay more than anyone else, depending on what they're going to do. So, um, it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where we don't even send out ARV with our deals. We just want people to make their own decisions and, you know, take a look and, Hey, mm. does this work or not? You know, let us know. Interesting. Okay. Well, that, that's really exciting. That's a fantastic deal. And no work to make 41. Th I shouldn't say no work. No rehab, work no rehab work. <laughs> no rehab risk. It's just a different type of work and a different type of risk you take when you're wholesaling versus flipping. I think it is. I think uh, just to put a little uh, information out there for all the flippers who might be listening, wholesaling is a heck of a lot of work. There's a reason why you buy houses from wholesalers instead of doing the marketing yourself. You know, it takes a whole team. We have 14, 15, now 15 people on our team between both states. Wow. Salespeople are going out in the field, phone people are answering the phone, uh, disposition managers who are selling properties. And, you know, our overhead's pretty high because we're sending out a ton of mail, right? So the, the key with marketing is you have to do enough of it to make sure that you're guaranteed, not guaranteed, but that you're going to make a kind of return on it. So, you know, in order to keep all of our people busy, we're sending 40, 50, 60,000 mail pieces a month or more um, in order to kind of keep the machine working. So it, yeah, that's a lot of cash too. Pay your wholesalers guys. <laughs> yeah. And I have total respect for that. I look at wholesaling and flipping personally, I look at it like two different businesses and even though you still need the skill set of being, you know, knowing how to comp a property, but it's all the marketing that a wholesaler needs to know how to do. I know you guys are doing both. I've never put a lot of time and energy into finding the deals. I network, as you know. So I have the wholesalers bring me deals. I have the realtors bring me deals. Mm -hmm. I am not a marketing expert. I am the relationship. Even more than marketing, it's the sales side. It's about building a relationship and rapport with somebody, understanding what they really need and trying to find a way that, that you guys can both come together. Because I think a lot of times what I've heard where people fail at acquisitions is that they go out there and they go out there as like a hard, hey, I can only pay 100000 for it, take it or leave it. But, you know, it might take three or four hours to work through a nice appointment with someone where you get to know them, you build trust and rapport and you show them, hey, this is how this stuff works for us. And, you know, how can we make it work for you? Um, so, right. Anyways, well, it's a lot of fun for us. And that leads me into my next question, which is seller financed or creative deals. Have you done any of those and mm -hmm. how those worked out? Yeah. Yeah. So we have done a couple seller finance deals and uh, we're working on getting our team more educated in seller finance so that they can kind of do some of these deals on their own. But even just over the phone, been able to kind of build rapport with people um, and, you know, offer them something that ends up being a lot better than the alternative. 
there was a, a great house we just closed on in, uh, in North Carolina. We just closed after we were done with the renovation. It was really great because the owner of the property had owned it outright. He, you know, he, he had a hundred percent equity in the property and you know, our cash offer would have been ten, twenty thousand $20,000 less than our financed offer. We were able to, you know, get it 0% finance for six months, really get in there, do the renovation, uh, make the place look amazing. He's impressed with it. He's happy to see the change. And at the end of the day, it was no different because the money was just going to sit in his bank account. So it ended up working out great for us because we didn't have to go and, and seek financing. Instead, we were able to just, you know, pay the, the homeowner a little bit more. Love it. I just did one of those. Well, I've done a kind of a couple of those recently. So what was your price point? Because I love offering sellers, you know, higher, lower price. And after I just said, mm-hmm. I don't do marketing, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have the opportunity to meet directly with sellers and give them, do you want this low cash price? Or would you like this higher price if you mm-hmm. can let me pay you for six months later? So yeah. what was your price um, on that house about? The purchase price on this property was 280000 with 0% financed. And I believe the offer that was made cash was two fifty. Okay. So we made it dramatically more appealing for him to go with the, the seller finance option. Um, and that ended up working out really great for him and obviously worked out well for us. Yeah, I did a 200 versus 220 and they, they just quickly dismissed the 200. Like, well, of course we want the 220. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's like a really great opportunity for you um, listeners when you are working with sellers. Now, if they've got to sell, they need their cash out because they're moving and they got to go buy another house. That's one thing. But, you know, Steven's seller and my seller didn't have an urgent need. I said, well, can you wait four months? I'll probably have it back to you in four months. I'm like, oh, I mean, a lot of times it would have taken that long to dispose of the home anyway. So it's no different. So that's awesome. Do you have any others that um, you could talk about that are creative deals? Yeah, we had another great condo. We just closed on the flip, took three weeks to do the renovation, sold in two days for <laughs> nearly almost 20000 over asking. Oh awesome. my gosh. <laughs> we had hoped that we were going to get that price, but we ended up pricing it low to kind of get people interested fast. Um, but it was great. It was a great opportunity because the, the homeowner, it was actually a condo, condo owner had owned maybe 10 or 11 units in the building. Um, and he owned it outright. He had bought it contract for deeds. So he understood, you know, the model and, you know, that's how he had built his investment portfolio. And, uh, you know, we were really shooting for a cash offer. We were really shooting to get it a little bit lower. And because this deal was a lot less money, the, the difference between seller finance versus cash was a little bit smaller. Um, but I believe the numbers came out to 82,500 purchased, um, with a small monthly interest only payment, like three or 4% maybe. So a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, and we held that property for three or four months, um, because we didn't actually get started on renovating it right away, working through some other things in the pipeline. Um, but it worked out great because he walked with another five or $7,000 and he felt like, you know, he had control over the situation, ended up working out a lot better. And, you know, hopefully we've built some rapport and we've proven that this was a great relationship and, you know, he does own a number of other units. So we're hoping 
to buy the rest of them. Nice. I was going to say, you, you may have just found a little pipeline for yourself there, yeah, huh? Exactly, right? <laughs> so you renovate the whole building, one building at a time. Huh? I mean, yeah, one exactly. unit at a time. <laughs> awesome. So we haven't really talked we've, with this question we kind of did, but how do you fund your deals when it's not the seller funding them? What else do you do to fund the deals? Yeah, that's a great question. This was like a big limiting belief for me when I was getting started. And just as a reminder, I only got started doing this, you know, just over a year ago. And we've done over 60, 60 oh. transactions, oh purchases. Amazing. And then wholesale deals. So um, mostly through private money lenders, people that I've met and built relationships over the last year in person at these real estate events. Um, I'd say 80% of our financing comes from people like that, that we've met and, and hung out with and, you know, had appetizers with and, and had conversations. I've seen kind of the progression. So it really goes to show that those relationships you make in person really do count. Um, we have done some, some bank financing on a couple of the new development projects, uh, the new construction, um, which was great because sometimes that's at a lower percentage, but you just have yeah. to jump through some more hoops. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we're funding nearly a hundred percent of our rehabs with private money. It's a great opportunity for everybody who's a lender because, you know, they're making anywhere between, you know, four or 5%, six to 12%, depending on the deal. And they're not having to do any work. They're sitting on their couch or in their, in their attorney's office or wherever, whatever they do for a living. And we're just sending them payment checks every month or when the project's over. And it's great for us because then we're not going out and having to seek new money every single time. And so that's been a big thing for us and a big thing for me personally, just realizing that, hey, we're actually adding a lot of value to someone else's life because they maybe, maybe they have the skills, but they don't have the time or maybe they don't have the time or the skills to do this. And they're probably making a tiny return in the market or wherever they are. Uh, putting that money. Yeah, I had the the happy, fortunate experience of hearing how, you know, so one of my, I guess, high school, junior high girlfriends, her dad invests with us and it's a large sum of money. And he mentioned to her how great his lifestyle has become and is because he's got a fixed rate of return coming every month on this big chunk of money he has invested with me. He's traveling to Europe, you know, just enjoying, he doesn't have to worry about like, is the stock market going up or down? Am I going to get dividends? Is it value? He knows, you know, where his income is going to be. And he was telling her who related back to me, he's so thankful for that opportunity he had to invest. Like, oh, that feels good. Well, mm -hmm. thank you to him that allows me to make money with his money and provide for my family. So it's such a cool thing. It, it really is. I mean, and the thing, the thing about it is like there, no investment is a hundred percent safe or guaranteed. That's the reason why you can make a return. But when you're investing in a deal with people who are experienced and know what they're doing and have a track record, have the right people in place, there's also a big enough margin in that equity cost of what the project's worth versus what you're paying for it. So if everything, you know, went down the hole, all of a sudden you're able to get your money back, maybe, and even the cost of, of going after that person to, to take the property back. Um, so it, it does make a lot of sense. And a lot of people think like, hey, I don't actually have any money to invest. They forget that their 401k from that job they used to work at a long time ago actually is a really great thing to just roll over um, and you can put that money to work. And it's making a return 
and you're not paying taxes on it because it's in an IRA or Roth IRA. I mean, that's, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's a great thing a lot of people don't really realize. Yeah, self-directed investing. That's awesome. In fact, just today, uh, I have to finish following up, but we're self-directing our kids' college funds, which for you is not an issue yet. But once you have that opportunity, you know, what a great opportunity that you, it's a Coverdell education savings account, self-directed and my husband never likes me to talk, num- talk numbers, but you know, I turned <laughs> five digits into six digits. Is that a nice way of saying it? So, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, really small numbers that we just grew and grew. So yeah, great opportunity. You can do that with your retirement accounts and for kids. So we are getting oh. HSAs. You can do that yes. with all kinds. It's amazing what you can self-direct and how you can move that money around. So yeah. Just ask. (laughs) Yeah, ask a company. I'm not necessarily a fan of them, especially with what a pain in the neck they are today. Equity Trust, and there's um, Pensco, Entrust. There's tons of. If you just Google self-directed retirement accounts, you will find lots of companies and lots of great information out there. So just Google them. Well, Stephen, we should probably wrap up. I love talking to you. You've given so much information. And our listeners, Stephen is a voracious reader and or listener of awesome books. And he has put together for us his top nine favorite books. It took him a while. He had to be very thoughtful as we planned this out. So we're going to have that as a free download for this episode. So you can get that by going to hardhatholly.com forward slash 82 because we're episode number 82. You can also get it by texting hardhat, all one word with no spaces, to the number 38470. So you just text to the number 38470. It's just five digits, hardhat, and we'll send you this download as well as a link to all of our past ones. And you're going to hear about Stephen's some of his top favorite books. Stephen, just tell us one of the ones and what you got out of them, what you loved. We won't go into all of them, but just my tell us one. favorite book of the last year. I've listened to it four times, going wow. on five now, because it's that good. It's from an author named Chris Voss. It's called Never Split the Difference. It's a book on negotiation, but really it's a book about communicating in life and relationships and how you can get what you want and how you can get other people what they want just through communicating. So I definitely recommend it. Super smart guy who's a hostage negotiator for the FBI, teaches at Harvard or a number of different MBA schools, teaches his own uh, negotiation course. Definitely check it out. It's the best 20 bucks you can spend. And I just started listening to that on my Audible account. So I'm excited. I just heard so many people talk about it in the last few months. Never split the difference. So that's just one of Stephen's top books he loves. So definitely download that. Get the books he listened to that turned him into such a success that he is. So definitely check that out. Stephen, how do people find you, reach you, get in touch with you? Great. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone's interested in following our journey, um, we're going to be sharing a lot more information um, and maybe have some giveaways ourselves. If you go to vfinvest.com, which will be in the show notes, vfinvest.com, you can sign up to, to hear more from us. You can check us out on our Facebook page. If you just search Von Finch MN or Von Finch NC, you can track some of our projects that we're doing. So, uh, Stay in touch yeah. with us there. MN is in Minnesota and NC is in North Carolina. Those are the two markets that it. Stephen has abandoned our LA market for. Very <laughs> smart, I may say, although I would miss our sunshine if I went there. Where are you living these days? Are you living there or in California? 
Yeah, so I'm lucky to be a millennial who gets to live kind of wherever he wants now. And so I travel between the markets because I, I, I'm a big believer in face-to-face um, interactions with our teams, especially as we're growing and hiring. So I spend a little bit of time in Minnesota and North Carolina, but I still live in Southern California. Okay, love it. Well, thank you again so much. What is your parting words of advice for the new people? Because you remember, it wasn't that long ago that you were new. So someone new thinking of yeah. jumping in, what's your advice for them? My advice is just do it. I know you've been thinking about it, If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't taken action, just get out, figure out something that you need to do and and go make it happen. And then as soon as you're done with that, figure out the next thing you need to do and make it happen. Don't think about it. Otherwise it's not, you know, it's great. This is very entertaining stuff here, but it's a lot more valuable and a lot more fun if you're actually getting your hands dirty. Don't be afraid of failing. Took a long time for us to build what we've built. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not really that long, but it feels like a long time when you're in the trenches working every day. So just go and get after it. Well, congratulations to you. I knew you were going to be a superstar success when I met you because I just saw that drive and passion in you that is just fantastic. So I'm so excited for you for all the success and can't wait to see where you're going to be a year from now because you're just <laughs> launching to new heights. So thank you so much for your time, Stephen. Really appreciate it. You've been awesome. Thanks so much, Holly. Thanks for putting this together. And it was great talking with you. All right, guys, get out there and take some action. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our show. And let us know in your review what you'd like to hear more of. For the show notes and free downloads for this episode and all others, go to hardhatholly.com.